Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 233. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Voyager's sixth season episodes, Virtuoso, Memorial, and Sunkatsi. Here we go. Virtuoso, Season 6, Episode 13, Production Code 234. Original air date, January 26th, 2000. Directed by Les Landau. Story by Raph Green. Teleplay by Raph Green and Kenneth Biller. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Kamala Lopez-Dawson as Tinko, Ray Zippo as Abarca, Paul Williams as Karu, uh, Marie Calder as Azin, Nina Magnuson as Vinka, and Paris Thamen as Fan. <laughs> Voyager encounters a technologically advanced race called the Omar, who are extremely arrogant and dismissive to everyone. Yet when they happen to hear the Doctor sing, they are immediately enthralled with his musical prowess, feeding the Doctor's ego just as fast. The Omar invite Voyager to their home system to learn more about music and the Doctor. Congratulations, Doctor. You stole the show. Thank you, Captain. But I can't take all the credit. There was something in the air. A certain magic. It was one of those rare moments when audience and performer become one. If you love the Doctor, if you love Bob Cardo as much as we do, then how can you not like this episode? Adam, kick us off. Retro, so yeah, it's um, it's a fun ego trip for sure. It's an interesting concept, you know, um, coming across this technically advanced alien race, and yet they've they've never um, um, conceived of music. So um. Yeah, they get, you know, they hear the, the doctor sing and then, you know, it's fun. It's fun. You know, you get to, you know, we get to go on this full ego trip ride that the doctor has. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen these aspects of the doctor, you know, throughout the, the years that, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a performer. He's a little bit of a diva and, you know, this is, this is nothing new. Um, it just kind of comes out into full bloom in this episode. Um, and you know, you know, the doctor gets taught a little bit of humility along the way as well. When, um, when you know, he finds out that these these beings don't really appreciate him as much as he thinks, and you know, he has to kind of hold his, you know, put his hat in his hand and and go back to Voyager and have that conversation with Janeway. Um, um, you know, it's a little bit. It was, you know, it was kind of fast and sudden, but you know, we've kind of seen that the doctor kind of has these kind of impulses when, um when people pay attention to him other than just wanting them, him to be treating, treated by them. So, I mean, it's, I enjoyed the episode. It's fun. We love the doctor. It's got some fun, good, good bits and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Virtuoso. Steve. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, it's certainly not amongst my favorite doctor episodes. I, you know, what I always remember is the, how disturbing it is when he's singing like too low and too high. It's like some kind of freakish thing or something. I don't know. It always, like a horror film or something kind of bugged me, but that always reminds me of that that scene in um, Fifth Element when they have that like opera diva, yeah, that, yeah, yeah okay. Eric Sierra score, but just to make it obviously beyond a human ability, they do crazy things with the synthesizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it 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 has some interesting things to say, certainly in terms of um, you know the the nature of uh, the nature of fame and ego and um, and all this kind of stuff. I, I think that we do get some kind of tiresome elements that we've touched on a million times. Occasionally we have these episodes where it feels like, oh, we're still dealing with his rights as a sentient being again, you know, that kind of thing. That's, that seems to kind of be a retread. Um, 
but uh, but overall, I, I think it's um, it's kind of an interesting culture that they that they're presenting here with this bunch and and how he integrates into it and the nature of them being kind of a bunch of uh, you know fans, fanatics, and that kind of thing. Yet um, fixated on mathematics and that kind of thing. It's it's a it's a it's a strange combination. That's that's kind of something fresh, you know. So yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's good and it's fun. A lot of it's because it's it's the doctor and he's such a a good character to explore. So yeah, I, I see what you mean that we've seen that scene between like um, Janeway and the Doctor before. Uh, you don't see me as an equal. However, out of context of the show, I think it's a well written scene, and I think that they both make compelling arguments. It's not logical for Janeway to give up her only Doctor on their decades long trip home. Right. True. Mm-hmm. I like the I like the bits between him and Seven. I think those seem pretty honest. She's pissed off. Uh, it doesn't go well when he goes to try and say goodbye, and she's completely right. Everything she says, right. But then, you know, we get great that great payoff. Even though, like like you said, Adam, he has to go hat in hand to Janeway, and you know, ask to come back. Seven doesn't gloat or anything like that she comes to him with that great little letter and that we get that funny line he says who's it from she says, it's signed seven of nine tertiary edge <laughs> the the fan letter so that's a you know it's a pretty great moment and that that's her thought to kind of uh console him at that moment even though he treated her poorly shows their the power of their relationship and what she really how she really feels about him and it you know it's sweet those are the kind of moments that make me uh, enjoy this this episode so much. True, <laughs> it always amuses me that Paris is like the backup doctor. It never, it's not a role that's ever seemed to fit him. But it's to me at this point in time, it's kind of funny. It's like oh, really gonna he's gonna be the doctor going forward, it's, and and the doctor's okay with this. Um, <laughs> to this point in the show, that he's still doing this it's kind of it's t- amusing to me you think they would kind of found another b character to kind of take this on but um <laughs> it's just, even paris is like really you're gonna do this right i mean it's solely like storytelling stuff because it's our main cast but in reality i mean like there's no one in the sciences that would be <laughs> better equipped to like <laughs> instead of your like top pilot you know doing this in case he bails yeah, or you think he out. might be occasionally kind of busy yeah <laughs> Because, yeah, that's going to be like a full-time job now, being the doctor. Right, right. Right, yeah, literally a full-time job. Mm-hmm. How, could, how could you ever be the pilot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, that kind of, that started off in Caretaker, what, because he was he had medic experience? Is that what it was? Something, and then, like, you know, of course, Kiss kind of took it on, and then when they when they wrote her off, I mean, you know, okay, Paris again. It's almost like a lingering joke. <laughs> we're just gonna keep. We're just gonna make. He's not gonna do anything, but we're just gonna make him go to sick bay all the time and have to deal with the doctor. I like it when we get an alien culture that feels alien. Their reaction to emotions, their reaction to music, it does. It does seem kind of alien. It does seem foreign. The way that the doctor misinterprets Tin Tinku's advances, the way he thinks that she or that any of them really care about him. I mean, we get that when he sings that, that last song and the entire audience is the same as Tinku, like completely disinterested in him now already. And you get that sense that he was completely wrong about all of these people. And it's not exactly that they were 
bad. It's just that they were alien, and yeah. he was interpreting their responses as if they were human. So I wanted to say that I, I like it when we see an alien culture that kind of does feel a little bit alien, meaning not they don't respond to things the same exact way the humans would. And yet she was sensitive. She was sensitive to his needs because she was like, you, you were, yeah, because she was like, yeah, you seemed kind of reluctant and upset about leaving your ship. So I did this to help you out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not that I'm, I'm I'm not saying that I like that they the way they treated him or something. I'm just saying that I it's it's nice sometimes to see alien aliens. So right. it's not even necessarily that they were, you know, to say they were being jerks would be to assign. Uh, human value system to, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm so I'm not saying that. No, it's a good point, and it's something we don't see. In fact, it's so not there that it's easy to to miss. You know, you it's very easy to go down that path of man. These this alien race is a bunch of you know they're, they're crazy, and I can't understand them at all or whatever else. But in reality, there's plenty of cultures on this very planet that you know we would have this difficulty with you know we would have some kind of um you know situation where we're trying to relate and then we'd interpret we'd misinterpret um, actions and behaviors because we don't understand them and that and that's here so in reality it, you know we go out and explore and we encounter alien races it's gonna be a hundred times crazier than this stuff i mean that we ever see in these shows and and so and in that sense yeah it is, it is refreshing to see something different you know something that we just can't relate to it all because that's that's probably reality yeah yeah yet they were fanatics i like the bit with uh the doctors what is it eight by ten by four the little <laughs> yeah holographic uh when he's singing with them that i mean that's just fun and funny yeah. what's this episode about well a lot of it is about knowing yourself you know it's a, you know he goes on this wild ego trip ride you know and it's like sometimes you know it's, so it's trying to talk about what Steve mentioned earlier, you know, like fame, um, overinflating one's needs. And it's also about, you know, not what's, I don't know if this would be the right term, like the grass isn't always green on the other side. You learn to kind of appreciate where you are and the people around you who are in your life. Um, I don't know if they pulled that off very well, but that's kind of what I thought they were going for. I mean, it's kind of hard to fit all that in 40 minutes, but that's kind of what I took away from it. Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, yeah, fame is fickle, and um, it's it's very easy. I mean, there's plenty of stories, you know, of, of people that have been caught up in this this world of fame and fortune and money, and they and they um, turn their backs on the people that care about them and stuff because it's natural, you know. You go along for the ride, and but almost inevitably, you know, it doesn't last forever, you know. And, th- and this is just like a very small kind of microcosm of that kind of thing we see what he's facing with this group, with this unusual fandom and fan base. Um, but that, but I think the message is the same, you know, you, um, it's easy to get caught up in it, but sooner or later you'll, you'll come back to those who care about you regardless of all of the superfluous stuff, you know? So, yeah. You know, it would have been fun, you know, since they had a, you know, a doctor episode of mine right after um, blink of an eye, if they just would have went back to his two years on that other planet, we did that. I did a whole episode on that. And after that, that'd have been fun. They could do a whole series of that now. Just de-age him and like see <laughs> yeah. that all. Yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Let's do six degrees for virtuoso. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I guess we'll go first. Uh, this should be an easy one. Hmm. <laughs> 
One of the Kalmar spectators is Leonard Crowfoot. Crowfoot played the genderless version of Data's daughter before she chose a gender. Name that character. Um, it's not Lore. That's his brother. Um, I can only have his brothers in my head. Go ahead and take it, Steve, because I'm just wasting time. It's uh, Lol. Lol. Yes. Steve. You're going to get this one, I'm sure of it. Paul Williams plays Koru, the leader of the Komar. He played Little Enos Burdett in what film series? I love these movies. <laughs> okay, uh, hold on. It's like his most famous... I see Paul Williams, I immediately think of, these, of this movie. It's it's him, he's the little one, and then there's the the big guy next to him, and they're both wearing their whites, right, white suits. Yeah, white suits. How am I blanking on all this? I... I, I hmm. Adam, are you going to get it if Steve says he doesn't know it? What's the question again? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I'll go over it if I need to. Uh, We'll see if Steve gets it. Um, It's not coming to me. Go ahead. Okay, Adam, Paul Williams. Mm -hmm. He played Little Enos Burdett in what film series? Burdett in what film series? What you, you you guys both the both of you you did you saw Paul Williams and you did not imagine this movie. Oh, shame, shame, shame. Um, it was directed by a stunt guy that started directing movies. Oh, okay. Um, talking about with Enos smoking the bandit, right? There you go, smoking yeah. the bandit. Thank you. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a long time. Smoking Smoke the bandit. Yeah. Sorry, I had to like um, picture him in my. I was like, had to. I was like, yeah. Yep, right. Just picture him. You get it. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. The sequels aren't 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 the amazing uh, movie that the first one is, but I love them all. The first one's great. Listeners, if you have not seen Smoking the Bandit, go watch Smoking the Bandit. Uh, let's see. One to one. Moving on. You each got each other's question. <laughs> <laughs> Memorial, Season 6, Episode 14, Production Code 236, Original Air Date, February 2nd, 2000, Directed by Alan Croker, Story by Brandon Braga, Teleplay by Robin Berger, Music Composed by David Bell. Guest cast includes Scarlett Palmers as Naomi Wildman, Lindsay Ginter as Sivedra, David Keith Anderson as Ensign Ashmore, Fleming Brooks as Soldier, Robert Allen Colazy Jr. as uh, Colonist, Leslie Hoffman as Nagon Villager, Joe Mellis as Soldier, Susan Savage as Alien Woman, and Maria Spasoff as Colonist. Having returned from a two-week away mission of scanning planets and gathering dilithium ore, Jacote, Paris, Kim, and Neelix begin experiencing strange visions. Tom and Jacote suffer from violent dreams about being in a battle, while Harry Kim suffers an anxiety attack while doing routine maintenance, and Neelix has a hallucination and takes Naomi Wildman hostage in the mess hall. I gave him a mild sedative. Any idea what caused the delusions? His norepinephrine levels are three times what they should be. Neurochemically speaking, he's suffering from a form of post-traumatic stress syndrome. I dreamed I was fighting in an alien war. The same war Neelix seemed to be reliving. Harry Kim was in earlier. He had an anxiety attack. I haven't spoken with Mr. Paris yet. Three members of the same away team. Did you run into any kind of trouble while you were gone? None. The mission was by the book. Your engrammatic activities contradict that, Commander. These are real memories, not mere dreams or hallucinations. Steve, start us on Memorial. 
this is one of these that I, I didn't, I mean, I know I saw it and everything and it was kind of familiar as it went, but it didn't really stick out. You know, when I, when I, when we started, when I started watching it, it was just, um, okay, this one, you know, as we, as we got into it. Um, so I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means it's not the, the best or not particularly memorable or whatever. Um, it's, um, which would be ironic considering it's called Memorial. But I, th I think, um, I'm not saying it, it's not unusual, but we have kind of seen this kind of thing before where there's some sort of, I mean, it, it, you know, done in a much better fashion when um, when there's some kind of mechanism involved to relay. The inner light, obviously, is the, the perfect example of a really good way to relay this kind of history into an individual and this is kind of just they they touch on it and the, and there's a little bit of the mystery element which is which is good i think mystery helps uh move it along and trying to figure out what's going on here what what is the nature of these memories we're seeing um but i don't know to, to me it's not it's not particularly in depth i never really feel for whatever this crisis was that caused it all i mean um and then and then again you, you have chicote who seems poorly written where it seems like he's kind of the um the one that's like you know what we just shut this all down because and and how is that consistent with his kind of archaeological anthropological background and so forth so that i don't understand that i agree that was that was definitely inconsistent yeah yeah so i mean yeah we got some you know there's some some ptsd stuff going on here and that kind of thing but um i, I wasn't blown away with it i mean you know it's fine yeah that's my opinion on it. It feels like uh, like they took a couple of ideas from a couple of different places in other Star Trek episodes we've seen and kind of mashed them together. But there's there's it never has that spark, that moment where it's it's more than the sum of its parts. It never it never has that scene that you that makes it memorable. Yeah, like you were saying, you know, it just it never it never gets good. Yeah, Adam. Um, yeah, I kind of pretty much feel the same way um, as you guys did. I mean, I liked it fine. I think it's I liked it. the performances are good. The PTSD thing, you know, Neelix, you know, kind of freaking out. I mean, all the performances are good. You know, it's believable. I feel like each of them is suffering, but the episode's kind of disconjointed. I mean, so they went to the system and experienced this. I couldn't. What I couldn't figure out. They went to the system and they experienced this, and then they forgot it, and then they remembered it back on Voyager. Then later on in the episode, all Janeway just has to look at the planet on the monitor and she starts experiencing it. It just, it didn't seem like they didn't quite have a focus on how they were presenting this. And then all of a sudden the whole crew is experiencing this. So I didn't quite understand <laughs> what they were going. I mean, because it seems like Jakote and the other guys, they, they forgot about it. And then remember, and then remembered it as kind of like flashbacks, whereas like Janeway and the rest of the other crew, they just they saw the system and then they remembered it right away. So that kind of threw me. It just it wasn't a lot of focus on how they were doing that, and so and I think that's probably why this episode does kind of suffer in that way. It kind of just speeds up right there in the middle and towards the end, so the flow isn't quite right. But I'm I'm not gonna say I didn't dislike this episode I, I mean i would watch it again and i think um the positive things that i could say about it is like i i, I enjoyed the performances i do agree with you about Chakotay at the very end with Chakotay and all those guys they were like oh let's just destroy it i thought that was just just um made up drama 
for the end of the episode just so Janeway can come in and be like, yes, we're going to keep it. So, I mean, this, yeah. to me, that's just bad writing um, right there at the end. Just It's just manufactured drama that didn't make a lot of sense. So definitely agree with you guys there. Ethan Phillips, Neelix. Ethan Phillips' performance and Neelix, the character, both come out pretty well from this episode, I think. That scene in the mess hall with Naomi is... Ethan Ethan is very good. And then at the end, you know, he's he's one of the ones that says there's something valid here. Um I think more than anybody I I like how Neelix came out of this one. Yeah, the whole scene, yeah, like the whole scene where they're remembering it there in the ready room, it just kinda happened too fast that they they're, they're like finishing each other's sentences when just ten minute, five, five minutes ago they didn't remember anything. So I, I that I that scene that scene reminded me of it sucks when you're reminded of a scene from another Star Trek episode that you thought was a better version <laughs> of that. You know, it reminded me of uh, what's the next gen episode? Uh, is it where they're all is it Riker and Jordy and they're talking about this alien? Where they're abducted and stuff, right? Yeah. The one where they're abducted um, and they're describing yeah. it and yeah. no, he had this and this. That's what that scene reminded me of from this episode. Uh-huh. Except in, in next gen, it was better. It was yeah. it was yeah. way it was way more that, that frightening and, always- and effective. Yeah, that episode always creeped me up, but just because you know they got sucked right out of bed, that was just always creepy yes. to me. You know, they're they're sleeping in bed and they turn around and they just get sucked through this little black hole. That was always yeah. creepy to me. So yeah, we have that episode. So this one we didn't need this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was never scared in this episode. Let's put it that way. That right. Well, there was another episode of Voyager that had the false memory. A couple episodes of Voyager mm-hmm. with false memory stuff. That's a wrong yeah. thing. I can't see a big like obelisky thing in the middle of a green grassy area without thinking of the original series yes uh, yes, yes with the native american, american thing going on yeah, yeah yes kira rock what's the name of that episode oh, i know Kira-Rock. i'm enough i saw it i did like the scene between paris and um Alana at the beginning, you know, she made him the TV and she's like, oh, I might have made a bad decision here. <laughs> He's just like starts binge watching TV. That was kind of fun, I guess. He, I, I think he came off poorly. He's been gone a few days and he's going to Yeah, he's kind of just sit and watch just TV. let his girlfriend fall asleep on the couch. Hmm. <laughs> and he has a crazy amount of knowledge. I mean, you ever think about like this kind of thing when you have a character like Paris who knows stuff like this it would detail. be like uh, it would be like us, no, <laughs> yeah, knowing the preferred um, uh, side dish for <laughs> breakfast uh, in Scandinavia eight hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. What is this episode about? Obviously, remembering um, tragedy. I mean, remembering and exp- I guess it's the difference between. Um, Knowing and experiencing, you know, an example of that is, you know, we all know, you know, the three of us know about the Holocaust. We studied it, but we don't really understand it because we didn't really experience it. And so I guess this episode is trying to make the correlation between knowledge and experience is kind of one of the things that I got from it. I don't know how well they did from it. Maybe Steve has a better explanation. Well, yeah, I I think... Yeah, I just don't think it's it's quality enough to really have pursued some kind of path that leads. I mean, they could have gone down that path of um, the discrepancy between you know thinking you 
were part of something and you weren't and, and how unreliable memory can be and experience and this kind of thing, the, the, the mind playing tricks on you. But there wasn't really enough of that and there wasn't really enough of the PTSD experience to call it about that nor the moral choice of keeping something around that that is disturbing and causes harm or whatever. I mean, you know, it's, it's all those little things, but I think it's one of those things where you don't, uh, if you don't focus on something, you're just not going to, you're not going to hit anything. So, yeah. All right, let's do six degrees for more. Memorial, our score is one to one. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Uh, so none of the people in the flashbacky sequences ever came back to Star Trek. So we're just getting some, we're doing some trivia about TV history. Uh, was, <laughs> was, uh, I think it was Taurus that said TV remote controls were created in the fifties. So I'm going to give you a true or false. Were TV remote controls created in the fifties? Oh, geez. Or no, she says there were no remote controls in the fifties. So let's do it this way. True or false, TV remote controls uh, were created in the 60s. Let's do that. So your true or false question is, TV remote controls were created in the 60s. Yes, true or false. True. Uh, False. They were created in the 50s. Torres was wrong. Okay, great. (laughs) Uh, Adam, name the company that that released the first TV remote, which is... An easy guess if you know, like, you know, the big TV companies. Um, well, it's one or two. Um, it's either, I'm going to say RCA. Nope. Steve, I'll give it. It was Zenith. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Excuse me? Huh? What? What happened? <laughs> I didn't hear it, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you can have it. I, I, it was 50 50. I knew it was one of those two. Yeah, it, it's Zenith. Zenith. Okay. Well, you know, honest to God, I was going to say that, and only because that is the first remote control my family ever had. We had a TV, and I remember, I remember we got it somewhere in the 80s, and uh, I was like, whoa, you know, but it was a Zenith TV and a Zenith remote control. Yeah. yeah. I remember our first remote control. It wasn't for the TV. We did have a Zenith. I do remember having a Zenith as a kid, but our first remote control was for the VCR, and it was wired. Hey, you know what? Uh, that th- okay? Wait, yes, I I agree. We, our our first PCR was before that TV. It was in the early '80s, and it was a wired remote. Um, yeah, for that and it, we had a really long wire, and we, it just just it just ran. The mm-hmm. wire was just we would just pull it out, and it would just all the way down the yep. center of the living room to the back where the couch was. <laughs> just a wire, mm-hmm. so we could have our remote control. Uh, let's what see. What TVs were there? So you had Zenith, RCA, or General this is a Short List, General Electric. Did they have their is there a general like Probably. A and I'm struck by how kind of nerdy this is. I mean, do you see how nostalgic that was? I remember my first remote control, and it was, a, you know, and this is this is us, you know. Now you can just use your phone <laughs> for remote control. We're talking about plug, plug you the cable from them. You can use your watch. Yeah. <laughs> you can control your Apple TV on your watch now. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Do I give anybody a point for that one? I guess not. Right. Or you can just give us both a point. No, it's no. Cool. What, Whatever you want to do, Ben. Nobody gets a point this time, so it's still one to one. 
Tsunkatsi, Season 6, Episode 15, Production Code 232, Original Air Date, February 9th, 2000, Directed by Mike Beecher, Story by Gannon Kenny, Teleplay by Robert Doherty, Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include The Rock as Champion, Jeffrey Combs as Pink, J.G. Hertzler as Herojin Hunter, and Tarek Ergen as Lieutenant Ayala. The crew are granted shore leave on an alien planet. Chakotay and Taurus attend a mixed martial arts ring sport called Tukatsuki, while Captain Janeway visits a neighboring system and the Delta Flyer. Meanwhile, Seven and Tubok depart in a shuttle to study a micro-nebula as their shore leave. En route, they are captured by an alien vessel commanded by Pink, who blackmails Seven into fighting in the Tunishki matches, or Tubok dies. Do not comply. My condition is not severe. Spoken like a true competitor, willing to ignore his injuries for the sake of the contest. Schedule a bout for him, a red match against the Pensaka. A red match does not end until one of the competitors is killed. Your friend would not survive. But you might. Give her a blue match, Pank. You wouldn't want to lose your new favorite her first time in the pit. Soon, Katsi. All right. I gotta say, I clearly, clearly remember being very upset with this... Uh, I don't know if it was, it's not exactly stunt casting, but it was it was this this um, cross promotional thing, I guess, with you know UPN, right? It was UPN was the yeah. one where they were the yeah. ones hosting the the wrestling show, mm-hmm. and I remember being very upset, like they're putting wrestling on my a wrestling guy on my Star Trek. I was really not happy with this, and. Clearly, I was right because that rock guy never went anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, in retrospect, it was fine that he was in this episode. It was fine that they had a wrestler guy in this episode. It's it was not a stretch to have that in this episode, and I was probably overreacting. Overreacting, yeah. <laughs> um, we certainly saw wrestler guys in future Star Trek, uh, and they were fine. That said. I actually think The Rock is fine in this episode. I just don't know that there's much, there's very much that's interesting about this episode. Uh, Seven seems to have some pretty good moves. I'll give her credit for that, Jerry Ryan. But uh, other than that, there's very little that feels original in this one for me. Uh, But uh, let's see what you guys think. Um, Adam? Yeah, I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's fun now. I mean, like you said, in retrospective, I mean, you know, The Rock didn't, go on to become Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> then, um, you know, we probably, we probably wouldn't even have mentioned this. Um, so it's fun to have him and, you know, we've, you know, you see this in, in Trek and different, different series, um, Ashley Judd and so on and so forth. So it's fun to see the rock in this. Um, I was going to, is this his first acting gig? I mean, I've never actually looked into his career that closely, but it's gotta be well, close wrestling. To Wrestling, you know, is an acting well, kind of thing. But. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, in an actual narrative story. Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. So, um, yeah, so you can say, hey, Star Trek got him started. Not wrestling, Star Trek got him into acting. Um, obviously, you know, you have, um, um, I, can't, I don't know the actor's name, but you have Martin, the guy who played Marta in this. He's, he's, it's, he's always a lot of, it's always a fun to watch. Um, what is, what's the actor's name, Steve? I'm sorry. 
was placed in my head. For what? Who, who, who plays um the actor who's playing the um hero the um oh uh, JG Hertzler yeah yeah I mean he's he's always fun Hertzler yeah to, yeah yeah to watch I mean it's it's I mean and it's a, it's almost the perfect role for him you know he's it's almost like he's almost like Marta I mean because it's the warrior type class race and he's teaching you know seven out of five I mean you're right Brian there's nothing kind of original about it but I think this episode to me kind of holds up just because based on the actors that are in it and that probably doesn't bode well for the story, but I think it holds up because like you said, you have, you have the rock in it. That's kind of fun. You have Hertzler, um, you have Combs in it. So it's kind of, it's more to me, it's more of a nostalgic episode. You get to see these, these cool things in an episode, but story wise, yeah, it's, um, it's fairly predictable and not too original. I mean, it's, it does have something to, to say about, you know, like slaves and, brutal fighting and that kind of thing but i mean it's not not really that deep i i just remember it being such a big deal when jeffrey combs and jg hertzler were in it i mean i knew nothing of the rock slash dwayne johnson at the time i mean it was um just them and of course in retrospect it's really a shame that's a kind of such a shallow episode <laughs> you know they brought back those guys you know it's like oh it's like ds9 you know reunion let's bring them on and then it's just this you know or whatever but yeah, I mean it's it's just kind of a big. I'm not saying it's awful or something, right? But it's 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 just not not a whole lot not a whole lot to this. It just seems like a big uh, smash 'em dash 'em fight fest thingy just for fun or whatever. There's no no real character development here. There's not no nothing particularly interesting that hasn't been said better in other episodes, you know. So yeah, I mean it's 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 there. I mean it's one of those things. You don't remember the like promotion about the rock and stuff at the time? No, no, not really. Or I mean, if I heard it, I just was so oblivious to that world or whatever that it didn't mean anything to me. All I remember going into it was Jeffrey Combs and JG Hartzler coming back. You know, that, that's that's what struck me about it at the time. And that's all I knew about it, and that was just interesting. So yeah. Yeah, I don't remember it either. I mean, um, don't take offense to this wrestling fans, but I kind of I stopped watching wrestling in the like early mid during like the mid eighties. Was it the whole Kogan cartoons and that kind of thing? Roddy Roddy Piper. But after yeah, I've got Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant, yeah, I mean, but kinda like yeah, I kinda was kind of a it was, you know, when I got into double digits, I kinda stopped watching wrestling. So I think I was aware of who The Rock was, but it wasn't like I'd, you know, been following his wrestling career and pe- people that that get into wrestling really get into it you know it's got a pretty you know it's huge money it's maker i mean it's entertainment fans. i mean you know I mean, it's, like, it's like star trek to yeah it's the way we are with star trek you know, that's what i said like you know i'm not trying wrestling. to put down any wrestling fans i just i, I just didn't i never got into adam it past i have a question for you why are you trying to put down wrestling fans <laughs> <laughs> do you think they're stupid or do you hate them or something <laughs> Well, good thing Brian gets all the email. Get all the hate mail. Yeah, but it is kind of crazy to to watch this episode and just think, wow! In a, in a few years, that guy is going to be the biggest star on Earth. <laughs> you know, right? You want to put him in a Star Trek film now? There's the budget or whatever. I mean, that's... Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> well, you know, well, it's funny. It's like I mean, you know, I remember thinking of the. I remember at the time, you know, thinking, you know, he's never going to be Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan was, to me, was like the biggest wrestling star there ever was. And it's like, nah, he'll never be as big as Hulk. I mean, he dwarfs Hulk. It's it's interesting that uh, this is not, you know, this is a 
totally separate conversation for, for another podcast, but <laughs> the way uh, cinema has changed and it's not driven by uh, star talent like it used to be. Mm. It used to be, I don't know, Will Smith or something. You could just, you put Will Smith uh, and then you were guaranteed X amount of dollars period. Uh, and it doesn't really work that way anymore. It's, it's not, it's, it's more about uh, IP and stuff like that, which I wouldn't have imagined it would, that would happen in my lifetime because seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, that's, that's not how it worked. It was stars, 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 stars. So, you know, even saying the rock is the biggest star on earth, it doesn't mean the same thing it used to mean. Um, he's, I get, I'm sure he's still a walking green light, but he's not a $200 million walking green light. No, I mean, you know, they probably, there's probably enough numbers on it. They know how much money they're going to make off a rock movie. I mean, when it's a standalone. But, uh, yeah, that's not really related to our, I guess, this our discussion about this episode. Uh, <laughs> I, I, which, but the thing is, we don't have much to say about this episode because there really isn't. It, well, yeah, we're talking it's, about it's very, very thin. The, the plot in this episode is super thin. This could have been, this entire episode could have been done in 10 minutes, I think, you know. Right. It's almost hard, it's almost hard for me to say that I don't like it or something because there just isn't enough there to like or dislike. Is it about anything? Well, it's talking. I think it's trying to talk about um, um, brutal sports. I mean, but I don't know how brutal the sport was. It seemed pretty civilized for the way that they got their their um, participants. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, what's it's what are these little devices on their chest that just kind of electrocute them a little bit? So that one, I mean, that's I guess just the nature of TV in the '90s. You couldn't get too bloody. But I mean, that's what they're kind of trying to say is like. I, Part of it is like, you know, how violence and sports and that kind of thing. I don't think they particularly did a very good job doing that. Um, what else? Um, I don't know. I mean, the seven stuff is interesting, watching her train, that kind of stuff. But I don't know what they were really trying to say. Like, you know, you have to kill somebody to survive. It's, it's I, I, I like know. the minor twist of he was training her to fight him. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I think he kind of see it coming maybe but it's a, yeah, it's a nice I mean, idea i don't think that and that doesn't really give you anything about what they're trying to say in the episode other than a plot twist so i mean yeah that's where the kind of episode kind of suffers i mean i think we've kind of gone over it that the plot's kind of weak i mean we've spent majority of of this segment talking about the rock and former um um, cast members on other shows than we really have about like what's going on in this episode so i think that goes to the, the heart of the that this one doesn't really hold up unless you would just want some nostalgia and seeing, you know, a guy who's a megastar now getting his start or, you know, so we're still talk, talking about the rock. So what that he's, the, this he's what makes this episode. This is the only reason, <laughs> you know, Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. It's like it, somebody's rookie baseball card. Right. <laughs> right. 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 It came out. It was meaningless. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind of like twisted. You can like even see him in a Star Trek episode, right? You know that they somehow haven't like blocked the licensing or something. It's kind of like <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like we have like a one of those one of those books you hit 
uh, a Moana themed book that you hit the little buttons and it talks. And the button that shows a picture of Maui doesn't talk, but it makes some kind of like noise, you know, probably because it would cost like a hundred million dollars to license his voice for the book. But yet we can see him in, you know, in this Voyager episode and talk about this anyway. But yeah, I don't think this is about um, anything. I mean, if, if they wanted to go down that path of utilizing uh, people, just for other people's entertainment and so on and so forth. That's been done a million times in better ways. And all the other stuff is just kind of fluff. So I want to see him and seven fight again in the Picard series. Hmm, <laughs> yeah. Instead of a Picard season two, they can do a, a single Picard short track and spend the same amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's do six degrees for soon. Cutsey. Our score is one to one. Steve. Yep. Jeffrey Combs plays Pick. Name three other characters that he's played on Star Trek. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Um, three. Of course, three. Um, I'm not going to open my mouth and give two of them away. Until that's the third <laughs> one. You got to name them all in your head. <laughs> yeah. Um, golly. I think our listeners are screaming into their car radios right now. Oh, sure. I mean, two just come well, like... We're all boom, exhausted, boom. Brian. It's 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> out. Right, right. We are, yeah. Um, um, how about... I think he's got it. Brunt. Yep. Wayun 4 and Wayun 5. <laughs> oh, that's a stretch. I don't know about that. I don't know. That's all I can come up with, but there you go. Uh, I don't know. That's not That's not in the spirit of the question. Mm. Here, here, we'll both get all the Shran. So Steve and I can both have the po- have half a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. That's the other one that we should yeah, know. Shran. Well, this, this one for Adam is a gimme because he already answered it during the thing. J.G. Herzler plays a Russian fighter. Name is DS9 character. Um... Martok. Yeah. So go. we had a Martok question not too long ago. I think I think I got that one wrong. Yeah. So. I don't know yeah. who wins this for the day, but maybe maybe everybody is gets a star then. The Rock wins it for today. Probably. Uh yeah, the Rock wins it forever. Discovery season two Blu-ray came out this week. And uh Adam bought it on what, iTunes? Yeah. You can actually binge it soon. Yeah, I would watch it over Thanksgiving, so maybe we can. Thanksgiving, all right. Uh, and then um, Picard is what eight weeks away, something like that. Something like that. We also That's have crazy. a, I think, so a short Picard. a short trek comes out tomorrow, actually, too, if we're getting specific like that. But yeah. So Picard's coming out before Discovery three. Mm-hmm. Right. Do we? Is it going to be like Picard, and then immediately after Picard, Discovery season three? Or they have, they like haven't break? said. I bet we get a teeny break, but you know. Well, they shouldn't. Otherwise, I'll be <laughs> pausing my CBS All Access. <laughs> I'm sure they'll strategically decide the exact amount of time to dissuade someone from stopping their subscription. Uh, all right, folks. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. We're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager's sixth season. Until then, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion, and our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. So until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. 
Stefan and Pastor.